Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to God's, God's Lemonade, Lemonade Stand. Stand. I'm David. And I'm Yaling. And we can't wait to continue our series with you, Showers of Blessings. Yes. And today we will bring this series to a close, talking about how to share your blessings with others. Just like our dad always says, be blessed. And be a blessing. Let's start off with some music. Thank you so much to the worship team for just sharing that awesome song with us. Today, we have a really cool interview to share with you. Yes, we do. We have Pastor Alan Machado, a good friend of ours and president of the Florida Conference, will be a part of our podcast for today. So let's get to know him a bit more. Well, hello, everybody. For this segment, we are going to be interviewing the president of Florida Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, Pastor Alan Machado. Hello, Pastor Alan Machado. How are you doing? I'm doing good, David. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for being with us here today. All right. Yes. So for the first question, uh, can you tell us a little bit about you? Okay. So you're asking who is Alan when he's not in the platform preaching behind the pulpit? Yes. Okay. Um, trying to love Jesus more and more trying to understand God 
and his purposes for me more and more. So loving Jesus and um, loving my family, I'm talking about my children, my sons, my daughter, my wife, that I love them with unconditional love, and also my parents, because the Bible teaches us that we need to honor our father and our mother. So I wake up every morning looking for ways to love Jesus more and to love my dear ones, my loved ones more. And that is basically my day when I'm not preaching or, or meeting or doing all the things that I have to do for the church. Yes. That's nice. A lot of love right there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's move, that moves on to our second question. So being president of the, of the Florida Conference, what are some of your day-to-day -day duties that okay. others might not know about? Well, I go from one meeting to another, and in the middle of a pandemic, uh, that means that I go from one Zoom meeting to another. Of course. Without having to go to traffic, right? That's wonderful. But basically, Mondays, we do administrative, uh, administration, administrative uh, duties and ministerial duties. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I do a lot of NAD, North American Division meetings and GC. And then um, I also participate in our universities, Southern University, Advent Health University, uh, the Board of Trustees, you know, all of these entities. Uh, so a lot of um, meetings, a lot of good things. I learn a lot. I participate. I offer my opinions when, when it's right, when it's the right time to do that. Um, so um, representing the church, 70,000 members, is a huge privilege. But it comes with a huge responsibility. Of course. And I would say burden, too, uh, because you want to represent God well. And you want to represent the church of God well everywhere you go. So it doesn't matter if you're in a meeting or if you're teaching a class at Andrews University or if you're participating in, in boards and of all kinds, church boards and, and um, of course, universities and other, other boards. You want to represent Jesus well. So the life of a president is not much of a life. Uh, but, um, but you get to enjoy it if you embrace it and you really, it's your desire, the desire of your heart to serve Jesus and do it well. And it is beautiful too, because the church of God is beautiful. It's so large, it's so diverse. There are so many things that we can do and opportunities so um, every day is a new experience, and every day, again, I wake up in the morning looking for ways to serve God and do it well. Yes. Amen. Well, thank you for telling us just a little bit more about you and what you do. Uh -huh. So moving on, how has our own Florida Conference been a blessing to the community, and how is it planned to do so? You're asking during the pandemic or before, or I mean... During the pandemic, for sure, we have been there for our communities. Oh, yes, yes. There's so much need. Uh, there's so much isolated people, people that are alone, that, that they are 
really going through um, difficult times, anxiety, even depression in many cases. I do believe that the church has learned to um, minister in a difficult world, in a, in a world of crisis, pandemic, when our churches have been closed, we have found ways to reach out to people, online services, Zoom meetings, um, um, you know, meetings like this one that we're having today. Yes. Um, I'm here because I want our youth to understand that there's always something that we can do. And there's always something more that can be done. Yes. If you find the strength and you find it in your heart to serve Jesus, you will find yourself useful for the cause of God. And that is the message that I have for, for the youth today. And that is what the church is called to do. And I believe that is what the church has been able to do. I do believe that we have reached out to more people during the pandemic than even before when they were attending church. I have to report, I will share this with the youth, that hundreds of thousands of people are connected to our online services every Sabbath. Prayer meetings, you know, um, youth ministries, uh, children and family. Um, I, I do believe that the church has done a tremendous job and we have been able to adapt and re remain relevant yes. in a world like like this world that we're living in today. Yes, in an ever-changing world, you gotta find new ways to yes. bless others. We have to, yes. So you kind of already answered this a little bit. So if there's anything else that you'd like to say pertaining to this next question, um, how would you like for our young people here at Spring Meadows to be a source of blessing to our community? Well, young people are a blessing to the community if they are willing to surrender to Jesus and if they're willing to uh, reflect the character of God. So my message to young people today is that Jesus is coming soon. And that is the message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's what we believe. That's our hope. Jesus is coming again and Jesus is coming soon. Amen. What is it that you can do in order to help others, in order to reflect Jesus' character with others, in order to teach about Jesus' teachings when you talk to others. Um, a lot of young people, even Christians, they say that they know Jesus. I wonder sometimes if they really know Jesus. One thing is to say that I know Jesus, and another thing is to reflect, to surrender my life to Jesus, to live for him, to be obedient to, to God, you see, and to find the purpose for which God created me. Mm -hmm. And that purpose is to serve him all my life, to give all my energy and my intellect and my resources to God, including time, in order to make a difference in this world that is falling apart. So my message to the young people in Spring Meadows and everywhere I go is that you, are, you were chosen. You're special. You're so special that you even, you even don't know it because God touched you and called you 
and created with a purpose, and that purpose is to love Jesus, to preach the gospel, to proclaim to the world that Jesus is coming again, and get ready for that. And by doing that, you are helping others um, understand God's message and God's purpose for them. And that is the most beautiful thing that a young person can do today. Well, thank you so much. That's all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for just sharing your time to come speak with us. Thank you, David. What a pleasure. Anytime. God bless you and God bless the youth here in the church. And um, I pray for you. I'm talking about the young people in this church and everywhere. I pray for you because you were called to live in a special time. And God is going to do perform miracles with you. And you're going to see it before Jesus comes. For that, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love you. May the Lord bless you, keep you safe and healthy. And let us fulfill the mission for which God called us uh, to a time, uh, to times like this. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. A special thank you to Pastor Allen for sharing with us today. Our worship thought today will be brought to us by Pastor Brian. Two weeks ago, we talked about asking for blessings. And last week, we talked about recognizing our blessings. So today, Pastor Brian will be talking about sharing our blessings with others. Hi, this is Pastor Brian Castle from the Spring Meadows Church. And I just want to share a few thoughts with you about the blessing. We've been talking this podcast series about the concept of a biblical blessing, about how we ask God for blessings, how we receive those blessings. And today we're going to expand on that a little bit by talking about how we can even share those blessings. I believe there's no better picture in the Bible that portrays this concept than the story of Jacob. Jacob and Esau were both brothers who were born to Isaac and Rebekah. They were twins, but nothing alike. But Jacob's name meant supplanter or deceiver. Esau literally meant hairy. And so fast forward a little bit, Jacob grows up, so does Esau, and Jacob steals the birthright from his brother by deceiving his blind elderly father. And because of that, Esau wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob is forced to leave home. He's forced to run and to seek safety somewhere else. And so Jacob come, finds himself alone in a place called Luz, which literally means a place of separation. And Jacob finds himself there. And then God reveals himself amazingly. And God reveals himself through this ladder with angels going up and down. And Jacob renames that place Bethel, which means the very house of God. But God makes a promise to Jacob there. God's promise was a promise of his blessing. He said, Jacob, I am the God of Abraham, your father, of Isaac, your father, and the land that you stand on, where you lay, I will give you and your descendants. Now, the amazing thing is that Jacob was not a man of faith. He was not the man of faith his father or grandfather were. Jake wasn't even certain that Jehovah was going to be his God. He basically said, God, unless you do this and this, he gives him conditions, then I will believe and follow you. Then we see Jacob moves from there. He, he goes to his uncle Laban's house. He receives two wives because he gets tricked by his uncle like he tricked his father. And then God calls Jacob after he had children to go back to the promised land. But on the way there, God presents a problem. Jacob has to face his past. Esau shows up 
with a huge group of men armed for battle, and Jacob believes they're there to kill him and his family. And so Jacob was scared. And so in an act of seemingly cowardice, he, he sends his family across this brook where he was at. He sends them across and he remains there by himself. The brook was called Jabbok, which simply means emptying in Hebrew. You see, Jacob came to a place where he had to experience self-emptying, a place where every human resource is given up so that God can replace them with his resources. He had to be emptied of every human security so that God could become truly once and for all his only true security. It was there, though, that Jacob encounters God. He doesn't come and just speak to him in in a, a soft tone, not in that still small voice, but God comes to Jacob as a wrestler. He comes to Jacob and he ensues a wrestling match with him. He, he, he takes Jacob and they're wrestling, not just for a few minutes, but all night long, they're wrestling with each other. God initiates the struggle, not for a title, but for Jacob's heart. But then God reveals himself. And how does he do that? He, he touches Jacob's hip. He shrinks the, the muscle there and Jacob is crippled. It's in the midst of the struggle that I believe at our moment of helplessness and defeat, that we begin to truly see God. After this injury, Jacob's struggle took a new direction. He no longer was fighting for the win, for victory. But with that same persistency, he kept holding on for a blessing. He says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. The question I have for us today is, what blessing or promise do you sense that you need to wrestle with God for today? What in your life do you sense that God wants to bless you with that we need to struggle and ask him for. Jacob fastened his grasp on God's promises, the promise of blessing. And so we see God blessing Jacob. And the evidence of that blessing is that he changes Jacob's name. When he comes to this place called Jabbok or this place of emptying, his name is Jacob or supplanter. But then God changes his name to Israel. And, And Jacob changes the name of this place to Peniel, which means the face of God. So when, Jake, when the place was Jabbok, his name was Jacob. But now in Peniel, he is Israel, which means prince with God. You know, we'll not remain the same after we encounter Jesus Christ. We have to come to our Jabbok before we can experience Peniel. We have to come to a place of emptying because we're full of ourselves. Like Jacob, he was full of himself. And when we're full of ourselves, we have no room for God's blessing. And so Jacob had to be, had to be empty before he could experience God's presence. And so we too need to experience that emptying before we can see the face of God. We may come to Jabbok as Jacob, supplanted by sin, but when we have been emptied of self, Jabbok will become our Peniel because we will meet Jesus there and will leave there Israel, princes and princesses with God. You know, the amazing thing is that, that Jacob leaves that place. And there's this third component to a blessing. And not only do we, do we ask for it, not only do we receive it from God, But God also intends that that blessing doesn't simply remain with us. Blessings are given to be shared. God's blessing in our life, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of hope, the blessing of love is meant to be shared with those around us in a dying, dark world. That's why Jesus said that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world, because we're not supposed to remain hidden or tasteless or just just motionless. We're supposed to be God's presence, his blessing to those around us. I love this picture, Jacob, later on in life, as he is approached by his son, Joseph, with his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. In chapter 48, verse 14, 
it says that Joseph brings them when Israel or Jacob was, was old. He was dying. But he wants Jacob to bless his two sons. And so what does Jacob do? The Bible says in chapter 48, verse 14, that he reaches out his two hands and he places them on the, hand, on the heads of Joseph's two sons. But then he does something else. He not only places his hands on them, but he pronounces a blessing. He says, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, bless these boys, that my name be named upon them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, I believe that God reveals here the components of a meaningful biblical blessing, a blessing that we can bestow on other people. Gary Smalley in his book, The Blessing, paints this portrait through this account of Jacob. We see a couple components here. First of all, we see that Jacob places his hands on these two grandchildren, and he does this through what we call a meaningful, appropriate touch. There's something about a meaningful touch that encourages, that, that brings hope and healing. It brings a sense of security. And so Jacob reveals this through placing his hands on the heads of these two boys, just as Jesus placed his hands on the children, blessing them when they were brought to him in the New Testament. But secondly, he just doesn't stop with a meaningful, appropriate touch. But then he speaks a message into the lives of these two boys. And there's a few things that he does. First of all, he attaches a high value on each one being blessed. He lets them know that they're special to him, that they're special to God, that they are intrinsically special because God's, God loves them. But secondly, he paints a special picture of a future for them that God has in store, that God has good plans for them, that God has something for them in the future. And finally, he reveals, and God always has this, we just don't speak words. We just don't lay hands on somebody. But also, we need to have an ongoing commitment to the one being blessed, that we will walk beside them in their life, in this blessing that God's pronouncing upon them, that we're willing to see them through this and walk alongside them as God is with them in this journey. Imagine what this would be like if our marriages, our parenting, our friendships were, were involving these things that we call blessings, speaking God's goodness, His promises, the salvation that he's given us in Jesus Christ, the promises of God into the lives of other people. And we're not doing anything. It's really, we're just simply repeating what God has already promised. We're simply repeating God's blessing that he's already revealed in the life of somebody else. I just want to encourage us and challenge us that when God blesses us, as we seek him and we seek his blessing, we receive those blessings, that we also convey and, and pronounce those blessings in the lives of others that we recognize that and we show God's love in a very tangible way through these blessings. So much to think about. I know. This series has been one of my favorites so far. I encourage you to go listen to the previous podcast in the Showers of Blessings series if you haven't already. Yes. And as we close this month, I'd like to encourage you to just continue to reflect on what, on what you are thankful for and how God has just blessed you. And once you've reflected on your blessings, you can come up with a plan to share those blessings with others. See you next time on December 5th for God's Lemonade Stand. Yes, Jesus.